Leaders in Benton and Washington counties will ask voters in November to approve tax increases to expand their county jails. They cite constant overcrowding, with some inmates sleeping on pads on the jail floor. The proposal in Washington County is a quarter-cent temporary sales tax to raise about $113 million to expand the jail and about $28 million to add court space and other facilities to the juvenile detention center. In Benton County, a one-eighth-cent temporary sales tax would fund a $206 million expansion of their jail. The county is also asking for a permanent quarter-cent sales tax to fund ongoing operations of the jail. Be sure to check out our Speaking of Arkansas podcast with Washington County Sheriff Tim Helder and Sheriff-elect Jay Cantrell about Washington County's proposal. But not everyone is thrilled with expanding jails in northwest Arkansas. The folks at the Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition hope voters will reject both proposals, at least in part to force public officials to change the judicial system and the way it deals with people accused of crimes but not yet convicted, and those serving time after conviction. I'm Greg Harton, your host for this Speaking of Arkansas podcast, and my guests today are Sarah Moore, Executive Director of the Coalition, and Mac Mayfield, a Coalition board member and a leader of a newly formed group called Neighbors Against New Taxation. We sat down in the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette podcast studio to discuss the jail expansion plans and their thoughts on why those are not in the best interest of local residents. Well, thank you all for joining us, uh, Mac and Sarah. I appreciate you all being here to talk about this. Um, we're here today because Benton and Washington counties both have, have uh, placed bond and tax proposals on the November 8th general election ballot. But before we get into your thoughts on those, I'd like to, uh, for you to share uh, in just a couple of minutes, even though I know, you know we could talk for hours on this, just what your idea of justice reform means uh, in, the, in the context of Washington and Benton counties. But, but when you talk about the Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition, what is that really advocating for? Sure. Um, thanks for having me on. Um, so the Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition has really been um, an organized group of individuals who came together around a common purpose really to um, encourage community investment instead of incarceration and arrest. Um, Arkansas is the number four incarcerator in the nation. We have the seventh fastest growing prison and jail population um, in the nation. And so I don't think that Arkansans are any more criminal than anyone else um, in the rest of the nation. I think, unfortunately, what we find so often is that the people that we find both in our local county jails and in prisons are folks with unmet social needs, um, poverty, lack of housing, lack of addiction recovery services, uh, lack of mental health resources. And so really what our coalition is about really is bringing um, positive, healing, restoring systems into place that the systems that we have today, unfortunately, are incredibly punitive. We're not saying let's not hold individuals accountable. We're saying let's use evidence and, and data-backed approaches that have been shown to be proven um, in other places across the country and throughout the world um, that really create um, overall well-being and health in a community. So when you say that people are still held accountable in the kind of system that you would envision, where is the accountability and how does that apply? Um, because I think people who would support jail expansion are all about accountability. 
uh, and and I, it may be a little more difficult for them to kind of grasp the idea of accountability within the, the the reforms that you're talking about. Absolutely. Well, I think that it's it's hard to imagine that there's something different, right? Because we've always had the same thing. But you know, there's there's that saying out there. It's like um, we're doing it just because we've always done it. You know, and why can't we look into a, a different way of of existing? There are lots of uh, again data-backed and evidence-based approaches um, that do things like restorative justice practices, where you know people sit in healing circles. I mean, this might seem um, you know very you know kumbaya to some folks and kind <laughs> of out there. But the truth of the matter is that oftentimes when you talk to people that are quote unquote victims of crime, oftentimes they'll report to you that they don't feel like they, they saw justice in our current system. And so I think whenever a lot of times we bring up um, between judges and prosecutors and law enforcement saying, you know, they want to make sure that, you know, victims, you know, get their day in court and that they get justice. If the victims are giving us feedback that they don't feel like they're seeing that justice, I think we probably should be relooking at the system. Um, additionally, I mean, the evidence shows as well when you look at empirical studies and look at what researchers have done at universities looking at the length of, of jail stays and the length of prison terms, um, we know that the, the additional time that we actually keep somebody incarcerated actually deteriorates a person, um, actually increases criminality. And so I think, again, we just have to think logically um, using, um, you talking to our community, getting feedback from those that um, have experienced, you know, things that have been harmful in our community, and really looking for them at, at what they, they define as being justice to be a part of the conversation, and then really looking at what are the things we put in place in our community that actually change behaviors. Because at the end of the day, our goal for everyone, I think we're all holding hands to say, we all want to live in a safe community. We all want to be able to have our families thrive. Uh, Arkansas and this region really values family. Um, I have a six and a 10 year old. I want the same things as my neighbor. I want my children to grow up happy, healthy, to have every opportunity afforded to them. And I'm telling you the system we have in place today is not doing that. And I think if our community members really know that and they get that information, they're caring enough that they're gonna wanna change that. Again, hold accountable, but not be so punitive that we actually deteriorate our community. So give me an example, of, a real life example, if you've got one that where, you know, it's, it, I guess it's easy for people to say, to see, okay, he got sentenced to X amount of time in jail. He's paying, paying the price for his actions. So, so, so many of the people haven't been sentenced. That's, that's, well, that's true. I mean, over 50% continually in Washington County are pre-trial. Right. So we're paying their, uh, we're paying for their medical, uh, we're paying room and board, essentially punishing them because they're poor and they couldn't come up with bail. If somebody's been in front of a judge and the judge has said, sets a bond, the judge has said that that person is not a threat to themselves or their community. They just don't have the money to be free. And really, you ask about, you know, what are some stories? Um, just for instance, um, this was a Benton County mom. Um, one of the fastest growing populations we have that are becoming incarcerated are women. I mean, women are the primary caregivers um, in our homes. Again, they hold a family together. And I think we all are quite aware of that within our communities. And, and uh, this particular um, mom, 
Um, she uh, uh, was in a relationship where um, she they got into a fight, um, so the police were called. Um, when she was trying to just get her keys from the other partner um, to leave the premises, um, she accidentally scratched the individual as she was getting her keys, and so she was charged with a crime. And when the police came to, to, to deal with the situation, she went to jail. Um, she had a young um, child under a year old, and um, when she went to Benton County, she was set with a bond. She um, was quite poor at the time. She, she was barely making ends meet, and so it took her a little over 24 hours to make her bond. And in that time, um, her child had actually ended up in the DHS uh, system because uh, they were passed to a caregiver who then um, DHS came, and it took two years um, for this mom to get reunited with her child just because she did not have the means to immediately get her release, to give the cash monies uh, to be released from those charges. So um, today, um, that's a person who is out um, advocating in our community, who is um, taking care of her two children, um, who is um, thriving, successful, um, has gone through recovery. Um, and so again, whenever we meet people um, where they're at with more appropriate resources, um, they can thrive in our communities. So yeah, from a voter perspective, we, we hear, you know, the, the prosecutors, the judges, a little bit from the judges, um, uh, the law enforcement agencies, you know, the people who are dealing with with criminality within our communities, you know, and they're out there in both counties basically saying, you know, we need more jail space so that people who break the law at least faces the possibility of some jail time. Um, why is that wrong? Well, I'd like to remind everyone, I feel like we all value our freedom. I mean, we're founded on a nation of we value our liberty. And I think it should be alarming to think about, again, in county jails, the ones that we're looking at adding jail beds to, um, the number is actually about 70% of people are actually accused but not convicted. Um, also, want to bring up a really valid data point, which I don't know that people are aware of, that kind of um, uh, blew my mind when I heard it, is you know, we break two to three laws a day. So every single person listening, every single person in our community, we're all criminals. And so how does that, how does that term make you feel when you hear that? I mean, it has a negative connotation, right? So really it has to do, you know, who do we uh, determine, you know, our criminals in our community based on policies? And so for, for uh, those in the system today, judges, um, in law enforcement, at the end of the day, we all have to hold hands and say, you know, who do we really think that we're scared of that need to be um, in the jails? I will tell you, not every um, person in our community is is saying that we need those those uh, jail beds. Um, judge Beaumont, um, who's our drug court judge here locally in Washington County, has said very vocally um, that uh, we really need to be um, using the the information we got from the National Center for State Courts. We paid sixty thousand dollars of taxpayer money, and they came in, and they're very respected across the nation. And um, they told us some things that we could put in place. One of those is pretrial services, which we're in the process of doing, and. Judge Beaumont, you know, said, hey, we should try some of these things um, that have been recommended to us. I think that, you know, they have a lot of legs to them. And if those don't work out, we could consider, you know, adding these jail beds. But we should do this first to be diligent for the taxpayer. And again, ultimately, to get the better outcome for our community. And you're referencing Washington County as far as that report from the, the state courts. Correct. Uh, uh, folks. So you speak of programs that can divert people from jail. So, you know, we do some of that now, 
with the drug courts and veteran courts and the mental health stabilization unit. Uh, uh, what percentage of people going through the judicial system do you feel like can realistically be diverted from jail? Well, that's a good question. You know, how many people can be diverted by jail, uh, or diverted from jail, I apologize. Um, you know, unfortunately, um, locally and across the state, um, we don't keep the greatest numbers. Um, our, our IT systems don't talk to one another. And, you know, really, if we're not capturing the information, you know, at the initial kind of encounter with individuals, um, I don't know that we can, can unfortunately tell you that X amount of people, you know, need recovery services or X amount of people need mental health recovery. What I can tell you is anecdotally um, that just our um, work over the last several years um, and just listening to um, folks like Sheriff Helder or Sheriff Holloway, uh, Judge Karen um, in Benton County, um, they, they make very strong mention that they know that a large amount of the population um, is impacted by mental health. Um, is impacted by the need for recovery services. Um, and so um, I do think that we have some tools in place, um, but as we're seeing, it's not enough. Um, the pandemic has really taught us a lot too. I think, you know, it's laid bare and we've heard, you know, through different health officials and this uh, current federal administration has really tried to put funds to really um, address the immense need that really came out of the pandemic that was um, based on all this additional anxiety um, and stressors in our community that really, you know, caused, you know, overdoses to skyrocket, you know, people to relapse in recovery. Um, and so uh, uh, those are the types of diversionary programs. Um, those are the types of, you know, for instance, I mean, there, there's not, I wish there was an easy button, right? Like we're all, we all wish we'd all be millionaires if we could just find the easy button approach, but we didn't get here overnight. Um, and so it's gonna take rolling up our sleeves and doing the hard work together in community, which I'm here for. Um, I've got, you know, a lot of years ahead of me and again, a six and a 10 year old that are gonna inherit the decisions we're making. Um, and so it's things like we went to Oklahoma City and looked at their sobering center in 2019. Um, that's been operating in Oklahoma since the 70s. You know, it's one part of the solution so that we don't necessarily have to criminalize when someone has a public intox or kind of a nuisance crime in re relation to alcohol. There's the ability to be able to divert them over so that they can get a caring response so that they can get um, taken care of, be medically okay. And then ultimately, if they um, decide voluntarily that they'd like additional follow-up services, those are readily available and right at their fingertips so that they can go back into the community in the best way forward. If I could, you asked sure. about numbers. Yeah. During COVID, the, the sheriff and the, and the prosecutors and the judges worked on releasing almost 300 people from the county jail. Didn't see a large spike in crime. Um, so it implies that with, uh, I know they were under duress to do that. It was important and, and it was a tough road to hoe. But there are ways to do this through remote monitoring, through uh, going through and holding bond hearings on a continual basis to see who is in there that might be let go. They got a bond to, at the 8.1 hearing, maybe 30 days later it needs to be reevaluated. So I think there are some tools that have been used that we could employ again. No, um, I heard the sheriff, uh, I believe it was the sheriff talking about, um, you know, the COVID experience and, and his point is 
they've seen a whole bunch of those people come back through the jail. Uh, so, so in his mind, that's kind of an argument, I guess, that, in the favor that, of. I think recidivism is a big problem, and it's one that needs to be addressed. Not with more jail for those who are truly criminals, but some people are desperate, and crime happens in context. And we've had a lot of that context in terms of food insecurity, uh, homelessness. We've uh, a lot of people have been evicted recently since the moratorium for for rental. Uh, evictions has expired. Um, if we work on those programs, maybe they won't just recycle through. But we have high utilizers. The jail, our homelessness, our homeless population, the emergency room. These are general problems that we, we I don't blame the sheriff for wanting to get rid of the overcrowding. In a way, it's not of his making. Um, we've got a society that it, it turns its back on a lot of people. But I think of my, my plumbing. The plumbing's not connected. You know, if, if, uh, if I have a clogged sink, I'm not putting in a bigger septic tank. I'm calling a plumber to get rid of the clog. We have a real jam up in the courts. Part of that's COVID, but part of that is also um, our county's unwillingness to support the courts. Um, Judge Joanna Taylor asked for a qualified legal assistant uh, a couple of months ago, and Patrick Deacons and Sam Duncan abstained on the vote. We need to put our resources where they'll do some good, improve our community, and un un unclog the courts, so to speak. Uh, it's interesting you, you talk about, you know, uh, the sheriff has proposed what sheriffs have proposed for years and years. I mean, they, they are responsible for dealing with the people brought to them, essentially through law enforcement, the courts, whatever. And, you know, the, the current Washington County Jail, for example, was built in 2000, or opened in 2005. So we've got 17 years or so since then where um, uh, the Fayetteville City Jail is closed, Springdale, uh, Springdale City Jail is closed. Um, and just looking in the broader community, um, you know, we've got about 12,000 more University of Arkansas students than we did 18 years ago. We've got, we keep building highways that uh, are still congested. We uh, build new hospitals or expanded hospitals. You know, we see all these things like public schools and all that we're adding to. Um, and so, you know, what is the what is the suggestion that jails should kind of be exempt from that growth issue? One of the reasons that I'd argue with you about that is that population and criminals are not necessarily correlated. It's not like Walmart and J.B. Hunt are bringing in a bunch of desperate people. Those are high-paying, good jobs. The other, the other thing to consider is that, uh, and this comes from the National Center for States Courts, um, the time to dispose of a charge, this is in the report, between 2015 and 2019 doubled. So it just- so that's when somebody's charged, they're waiting for their day in court and have not been convicted. And that's right, right. Okay. right. They, this is the pretrial issue it's doubled. So that's part of the clog. That's why we, jails are not exempt, but yeah. we need to put the resources so that the whole system 
can flow. Well, and let's go back to, you know, a data point I brought up earlier that, you know, we're the number four incarcerator in the nation. So I understand we have a growing population in the state of Arkansas, you know, but per capita, we've been incarcerating at a higher rate than other states. And so, I mean, I would argue again with what Mac brought up, you know, we've looked at the growth of population and then you look at the amount of charges and there's no correlation. You oftentimes hear um, stated by um, Nathan Smith, the prosecutor in Benton County, that as the population increases, criminality is going to increase. Um, you can look from 2012 to, to current day, and there is no direct correlation in either Washington or Benton County with the up or down flow over the population with the charges. Um, I've, I've got the data if people want to look at it, and it really, it goes back to it's what our policy choices are. What decisions are we making in our community about the well-being and safety? Where are we determining that we want to invest? And I will tell you, um, deciding to build jails because we don't want to deal with certain people or we want to house certain people that are homeless is one of the most expensive ways that we could look at addressing this. And it's unsustainable long term. So we really have to be more fiscally responsible um, and we can get a little more creative because once again, we aren't talking about pie in the sky ideas. Um, a lot of these things have been proven out. Um, they've been um, recommended by the Department of Justice since the 90s, um, pretrial services. Um, and so even just dipping our toe in the water, I think we're gonna be really surprised with just trying one or two things um, could you imagine if we pulled about 10 of these levers? I mean, it just, um, we've been uh, uh, talking a lot in Washington County, um, and I actually really applaud the folks that have been able to move this forward so far on the Criminal Justice Coordinating Committee in Washington County, but they are going to probably be the first in the entire state of all 75 counties to start pretrial services in Arkansas. I mean, it's, that's, that's a big deal. Um, and, and the coordinator for that um, Criminal Justice Coordinating Committee was on record um, in the quorum court recently in Washington County stating that she thought pretty much they could easily release right under 300 people um, by putting that in place. Um, if you think about, if you, we've been hearing the sheriff talk about 100 people sleeping on the floor, well, I just, with that number, I already heard open beds. So um, we need to start planning. Um, one of the things that happens um, uh, in many uh, areas is use a gel planning guide and we determine how many beds we're going to allocate to different things. Um, we should start thinking about that now when we do pretrial services and um, every gel bed could easily be filled up, but we need to determine again, how do we want to use those beds with our taxpayers? And when you say pretrial services, um, give me an idea of one or two examples of of pretrial services that that would have that intended impact. Sure, absolutely. So um, again, very excited about what's happening in Washington County. So I really do want to applaud them. But um, really, what pretrial services does is I identifies and gets um, a needs assessment to understand what are the hurdles and barriers. Because at the end of the day. All we're wanting to do is have someone fulfill their court obligation. They need to make it successfully through the court system. So identifying um, whether or not it's a transportation issue, identifying whether or not they're going to have child care or housing issues, um, and also just reminding them of court. Um, one of the things that we had not been doing all these years that we were so frustrated that people were getting what we call failure to appears, uh, which just means they missed their court date, right? So um, I don't know about you, but um, my dentist um, harasses me, I would call it actually. Um, I really appreciate it because I don't ever miss a dental appointment. But when I schedule my appointment with my dentist, they email me. 
They text me the day of, and then I get reminders all the way up to that six months, um, checking in from time to time. And then three days out, I even have to confirm my appointment or I will lose my appointment. Um, and then another reminder the day before to gently remind me that they're looking forward to seeing me. Um, if, if that's been working so well for the for-profit system, um, for people to actually spend money for that, it's obviously saving them money and creating efficiency in their system. So to me, that seems like something that um, we really should be vetting. We really should be with urgency looking at um, in our city district courts, um, like our Fayetteville district court that has a million dollar uh, court that to this day does not um, uh, uh, give court reminders um, and one of their fastest growing areas that they've been seeing charges is in failure to appear. Um, so when we're identifying and seeing that and that's such an easy um, nut to crack, um, I would hope that that would be something that we could um, be more aggressive about in our community. If so, I if I could sure, just say, sure, um, over at St. Paul's across your parking lot, we uh, we Episcopal Church. Next yes, door, sir. Yeah. Um, we've held uh, a few warrant clinics where people who may be behind with their appointments at the court can come without fear of arrest and talk to the prosecutors and public defenders to get a new appointment. And so far, I think about over 200 people have come through the door. We've done that three times here in the Genesis Church. And I think they've resolved, you know, on the order of 30 to 50 percent of those cases. Uh, Drew Smith, who's on that criminal coordinating uh, committee, has been, been, been running that right now. And Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition sponsors as well as the church. Yeah. Um, that's the kind of thing that seems to really break the logjam, yeah. you know. And, and people, people come and they are anxious, and I think they leave, many of them, uh, greatly well, even relieved. if I understand it right, even the people who don't have it resolved in that setting, it's it's kind of like a reset. They and, can get and, a new day, and they get get to start the whole process over, and perhaps pay a little more attention. Well, the other thing we did is we did tail lights and headlights one for a day. You all were probably not able to park that day because the need for the community was incredible. They know that they're at risk if they get pulled over that they may spend 60 days in jail for a broken taillight because they've got a warrant. So there, there are lots of things we can do to try and sort of take the air out of the balloon. So let's say for a moment that voters agree with you guys in November and they reject jail expansion in, in both counties. Uh, you know, that's the outcome you hope for, but it, it doesn't solve anything. I mean, it, it essentially just says we're not going to expand the jail. Um, so what's next? And, you know, a lot of attention gets focused on, on the sheriffs because they're the ones that have to hold people. But it's really, I mean, it's, it's a multitude of layers uh, that you guys have to convince to fund programs, to start programs. I mean, it's county level, state level. It, it's, it's very complex from, from that side of the equation. So Let's say the voters reject it. What, what's the next step? Well, when the voters reject it, um, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Um, what we've been doing for you know many years is, is educating people on what's possible, right? Going to areas that are having success and bringing those best practices back. But you're right. Um, you know, all of us should have skin in the game because we're a part of the community. And, and that's, 
you know, the folks that are players in the system, but it's also all the folks, too, in the community that you get impacted by this, whether or not you see it, um, because it, it's around you in your community. It's it's hitting you um, when you pay your taxes because you're, you're impacted and you're paying for it. But, you know, uh, people always ask us, you know, again, want that easy button approach, like, what can I do, right? So what I would say is that... Um, Part of the solution really starts with just the individuals and groups in our communities. Um, you know, faith groups and civic groups can be a part of the solution of offering, you know, one thing. You know, St. Paul's Episcopal Church stepped up and said, yeah, we'll host the warrant clinic, you know. And then it, it can be another um, congregation that might say, you know, we can sponsor a sober house. You know, or we can sponsor a transitional living house because it's going to take all of us to solve this. Um, additionally, it's going to have to be policy and, and it's going to have to be law. So we need, you know, our state legislature needs to reevaluate. Um, we criminalize so many things that um, really are just unmet needs. And so I think cleaning up some of the criminality out there. And so when law enforcement, you know, encounters folks, they don't have to feel that tug of that discretion of like, do I need to take this person to jail or not? Because, you know, it's it's not, you know, going to be against the law that I uh, I have drug paraphernalia on, on me. You know, I have a, a, a pipe with, you know, no residue that, you know, you just, you know, deciding that I, uh, I would use it for drug ingestion. And so now I have a drug paraphernalia charge that's taken me to jail. So uh, we have that ability. And then, you know, judges, it's a big thing. You know, we've, we talk a lot about cash bail. Um, we have an incredible statute in the state of Arkansas that says to take um, every other possible means for release into account before you settle on cash bail. Um, we don't explicitly state in their ability to pay, um, but really we should be taking that into account with individuals, taking a bigger determination, talking to them about their community ties, um, and at the end of the day, trying to see if there's not some other way that they possibly could return to court. And so, I mean, judges can, can definitely play a big role um, in part of the solution. So if each of us, again, just pulls, pulls one lever, just does one thing, um, it changes the momentum in our region. And I just envision, and I'm incredibly hopeful for what we can look like for the future, um, because my six and my 10-year-old, they deserve to um, inherit an Arkansas that works for more of us. So <clears throat> we, we kind of touched on this earlier. There's, a, there's an easy mechanism to build a, an expansion on the jail. You know, there's a you know, proposal to put a tax on the ballot and ask the voters, and then you build it, and then the tax disappears. Um, it, it is, it, it yeah. well, the, Washington the, the, County the has not told us what it's going to take to run this facility. Correct. And operations the, the tax, will last forever. The tax to, I'll be specific. Okay. The tax to build the jail will disappear. But you're right. The, uh, the, the issue of paying for an expanded jail is people. <laughs> you know, you've got to pay people to do that. So. Yeah. Uh, definitely uh, about that, but in terms of the the kind of approaches that you're talking about, and you talk about some of the you know the nonprofits stepping up and all of that, um, you know I've I've got my issues over the years where you know government expects the nonprofits to step up when you kind of think the government ought to be doing this. Um, I mean, is that what we're going to be left with though? Is is just relying on because government isn't going to fund or, or support what you're talking about, that, that we're going to put this burden on nonprofits. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out where, the, if it is a state problem, 
or a government problem, I guess I should say, local and state government. You know, it seems like the funding for that ought to be coming from there as well. So, so how do you, how do you suggest this all gets paid for? Um, uh, that's, I mean, the jail in Washington County is, you know, 113 million, I think, is what they're talking. So there's a lot of programming there you could afford for 113 million, but but you can't necessarily put a 113 million dollar proposal on the ballot to to fund all the different programs you're talking about. It's easier to do that to build a jail. But um, isn't it interesting that we only have one option? You know, we're being we were we were told as voters that they wanted to let the democratic process play out, but they gave us one choice. Um, I don't know about you. Um, but having one choice doesn't really feel like much choice. And so, you know, again, um, you know, I reached out to the National Association of Counties, which Washington County and Benton County should do because that's an incredible resource that they're a part of and have a lot of expertise. And when I said, you know, who's someone in the country that's doing um, some really great things in criminal justice work, um, they referred us to Lawrence, Kansas, who's only four hours to the north of us. Um, and uh, voters in Lawrence, Kansas resoundingly rejected um, expanding their jail. What they did put on their ballot was a treatment recovery center for $11 million that passed with strong support. Um, and so that will be a, a resource in the community for years to come um, that allows folks to, to not end up in incarceration, to not end up in a hopefully acute setting to be able to um, have a quick check-in um, to take care of their needs um, for their health. And so. Um, I would say uh, that that putting choice um, back into the conversation, um, uh, you know, to the voter um, is incredibly uh, important, um, which we're not going to see this ballot, unfortunately. Sebastian County just decided to establish a sobering center. I think it was five hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, you know, to set it up and, and get through using the first some year. COVID-related money. Uh, they I think, they yeah. are using some of the rescue funds. Yeah. So your organization that recently developed is, is the uh, Neighbors Against New Taxation. Um, I, you know, if if this is defeated and and there's a future proposal to help fund some of the things you guys are talking about, are you going to be against the new taxation for that? I think we do need to apply resources to these problems, whether they're nonprofit or governmental. Uh, no, we're 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 a ballot question committee for this election. And we, we, we think that it's a matter of uh, putting our resources in the wrong place. If we build these facilities, we will never have the conversation, or it'll be 20 years before we have the conversation about recidivism and, and giving people second chances and working with the conditions that create that context of criminality. We'll just fill it up. And I want to go back to your question because I didn't, I kind of went around, but you're, sure. you actually asked about, you know, how do we finance and how do we pay for it? You know, I mean, that's a big headache, right? It's, it's kind of a, a complicated knot that folks don't probably, you know, want to get in the middle of, especially get, given uh, we, we kind of uh, end up, uh, it's been really divisive um, in, in politics and across government agencies not working together. But, you know, we're one taxpayer in the state of Arkansas. It doesn't matter if I'm paying the city or I'm paying the county or I'm paying the state. It's all my money. Um, and I want to see 
my elected leadership working harder across those silos and collaborating together to give me the biggest bang for my buck. I think we all should expect that. And so I would say it's a little bit of all of these entities, um, and it is the private sector stepping up to help to finance these things. You know, some of these things will have to be um, some state statute change, and we'll have to, you know, see some budgets. But, you know, we also have had special sessions in the state of Arkansas talking about our surplus um, uh, revenues. Um, we've also had um, a safety committee meeting talking about, you know, ongoing potential investments that we're going to be offering across the state. Um, that takes care of our safety and our well-being, and we really have to think holistically about what those dollars really invest in. And then at the end of the day, too, you know, oftentimes in the county, it's how are we defining um, how we take care of our community? Is it just to the um, straight line of the definition of what the obligation is to the county? Or are we truly working for the overall well-being and safety of the entire community? And with that, it's a whole kit and caboodle. It's, it's everything that comes with it that we could possibly invest in. That would be infrastructure and programming and ways that we support our community. Um, my expectation is that just like when I'm at home and any need arises within my home, it may not be, you know, I don't usually take out the trash. My husband takes out the trash. I appreciate that, actually. But at the end of the day, if it's not getting done, I'm not going to sit idly by and just watch it pile up and not be taken care of. And that's what I see, unfortunately, with us bickering between who's responsible for it or it's outside of my scope is that I see my community suffering. I see my taxpayer dollars being wasted. And I'm incredibly disappointed when I see that because, again, it's not creating an Arkansas that works for me, that works for my children, that works for our future. Um, and I want to be proud to be from Arkansas, right? I was born in southern Arkansas. I was born um, a very poor um, child in the state. Um, and I did not see that there was going to be a lot of opportunity for me. I don't want that to be the future for other children in Arkansas. I want to know that there's going to be something bigger. I want people to know where Arkansas is on a map, right? Um, and and wanna, want us to be able to make a, a tremendous impact and for there to be a lot of opportunities. And if we don't, if we don't head down the path of, of thinking in a lot more thoughtful way about how we're approaching these things, then we're going to keep being at the bottom, and we're going to keep struggling. And I don't want to struggle anymore. So you can tell me if I'm completely wrong here, but if I'm hearing you right, if some future proposal included a little bit of jail expansion to try to help with getting people up off the ground, you know, sleeping on pads and all that, but it focused money and attention on other options like sobering centers, like all that. Do you think some kind of combination type thing would be, would be acceptable or is it flat out 710 beds in Washington County is all we're ever going to need? Well, I go back to the judicial assessment. They said that building jail is last resort. We need to try the other options. They're less expensive and they're more humane um, and, and see what we can do yeah. before we make this huge investment that is forever. We, we build, you know, if it's approved, we'll have more beds than Pulaski County. I feel a lot safer here than I do when I'm down in Little Rock. Mm -hmm. So I just, I, I would like to keep the 710. Let's, let's try that for four or five years and see where we get. So is that 
the number of beds in the jail you That's think affects your feeling of safety within the community? No, no, it, it, no. It does not. Okay. I, but I think that that's one of the things that's being promoted by the people uh, for the expansion okay. is to keep people safe. Yeah. Well, in reality, putting people in jail who are not criminals, who are awaiting trial, who have their lives broken, their cars repossessed, yeah. their families busted up, that does not make us safer. But, again, look, I just want to be clear on this. If you're saying people are being put in jail who are not criminals, are y'all suggesting they are innocent that, until proven guilty. Correct. But but are you saying most of the people being put in the jail waiting trial are innocent? Not innocent by, you know, the judge's decision because that hadn't been, or the court, but that they have committed no wrong. I, you know, I think that what you said, Sarah, you know that statistic, how many people wind up going to trial and, well, yeah, that, I mean, that's one thing, again, that I think was eye-opening to really look at is that, you know, on average, again, about 70% of our populations in both Benton and Washington County are people that are in that pretrial bucket, right? Right. And, um, and really, many of those are made up of what we would say are drug crimes or drug-related um, type things. And, uh, you know, so that's about 500 people at any time that are there just because they're too poor to pay for their liberty. And so what ends up happening when you really look at um, uh, the numbers that are going to the Arkansas Department of Corrections who actually, um, you know, get sentenced and, 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 and is deemed to say, you know, you need prison time is only about a couple hundred folks each year. And so, you know, we're holding folks where we're deteriorating their lives um, who are going to end up going right back out into the community. And so we're not making them any better or, or creating any greater safety um, by doing that. And I think that's what Max mentioning is that, you know, the longer you hold somebody, I mean, the empirical studies are out there, the longer you hold somebody um, in a jail setting, um, the worse outcome they're going to get. Because at the end of the day, whether they did the charge or they didn't, they're going to end up saying, yeah, let me just sign that paper and take that deal because I just want to go home. Okay, you're going to give me five years probation. Well, I didn't do it, but you're telling me I get to go home. Okay, this can be over. Um, and so it puts people in a really precarious situation um, where, you know, again, are they really getting, you know, justice? Are we the taxpayer getting justice? Yeah, I, I think I'm just trying to, you know, I hear, I hear both sides of this. You know, the law enforcement people are telling me, most of those people down there have committed crimes and they're, they need to spend time in jail. And I think what I'm hearing from you is most of those people are just good people who, you know, are pleading guilty because they didn't do the crime, but they, they're doing it just to get out. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, we've got two very disparate views of who is in our jail. Of human nature, perhaps? I, you know, I, I'm compelled as a Christian to visit the prisoner. That's what's in Scripture. And what does that mean? To me, it means to care about, to not just drive by and wave, but to, to come to understand and to do the work, the human work, to, to know why people get into these situations and to try to alleviate those conditions. Right. Crime happens in a context. And with with the virus and, and the upset to the economy that we've had with our homeless population, which is, is growing, we have to address those issues in other ways rather than make them criminals. Now, 
Is everybody who's in jail there wrongly? I don't believe that. I, I, I agree we need to hold people accountable. And there are some people who just, no matter what you do, they're, they're, they're not going to come around. But we don't give them much of a chance. Yeah, so I, I think I understand what you're saying. You're, you're not arguing that they didn't violate a law. And that, 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 I mean, even though we know there are people who, you know, are down there who didn't violate a law. But, but the, you're not arguing that, that the jail is just full of people who didn't violate a law. Huh. It's more along the lines of we're not, we're not dealing with them the way that we should be dealing with them. We're not addressing the root causes. Yeah. I mean, and you yes. guys want murderers to be in jail. <laughs> You, you know, you guys aren't wanting them to be released, you, but, but there's a wide range of people that are there for crimes that, uh, that can be handled differently than just putting them in a cell. When fair? you look at the statistics, crimes against, against society, against people, are, are, are a very small piece of it. Violent, arrests for violent crime are less than 10% in Washington County. So there's, there are a lot of things that contribute. There's a lot that we can do. Okay. Any last thoughts? Uh, we just, I mean, appreciate obviously having the time to let folks know. I mean, as you, you know, are going about your day, we, we know folks are leading busy lives. And, you know, it's a big ballot. You know, I think it's five pages for mine locally. And so I just encourage folks to make sure, one, you're registered to vote by October 11th, um, that you know that early voting starts on October um, 24th. Um, that election day is November 8th, and I'd really encourage folks to go to voterview.org um, and really look at the ballot ahead of time because it's a lot of tiny, small print, and that way you can hopefully, um, you know, digest it, get your questions answered beforehand because it's a lot to take in when you get into the ballot box, and so I really want to encourage folks um, to really think on and to vote no on this issue because, again, I think that there is such an opportunity presenting itself to us that we could truly invest in our community. Um, and if this money is gone, I mean, you hear the word recession. Um, you, you see the constriction already. When I talk to small businesses that I'm going out to, they've already seen people um, have to tighten their pocketbooks. And so, you know, these excess general funds and the strong economy we've experienced, while um, it might stay quite strong, there will be some constriction that will probably happen. And so we don't have a crystal ball to know uh, what other things might come to us between, you know, do we have an issue with our drinking water? You know, do we have a, a, a big investment that comes up in our communities? And if we put all our eggs in this basket to build this gel, we will have to fund it long term and we will not have the opportunity to zig or zag or meet that need that comes up. And that is incredibly concerning for me. So is there some place people can go if they want to learn a little bit more about the Arkansas Justice Reform Coalition? Yeah, thank you very much. Um, you can follow us on um, Facebook, on Instagram. We're at Arkansas Justice, Justice Reform Coalition. Sorry, struggling after all this talking. Uh, we're also on Twitter. We like to uh, tweet the county meetings um, and so that you can follow those, maybe make those a little more digestible for you. And then we're also online at arjusticereform.org. Um, and also, if you'd like to email us and get on our listserv, we're at arkansasjusticereform at gmail.com. All right, Sarah Moore and Mac Mayfield, thank you very much for coming in and visiting with us about it. And uh, to all our listeners, we appreciate you being there too. Take care.